So let's pray this morning as we get ready to enter into a time of the Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning that we can continue our our topic on the revelation and setting the framework for what is to come because what is to come, Lord, is a very grim picture and it's uh, about your judgments, about the tribulation. It's about what happens when we don't um, receive um, and have our name, uh, receive the gift that you've given us and have our names written in the book of life, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be attentive, our ears would be attentive, and we would listen and and let your word change us and motivate us and remind us of how good you are. And, um, and, and I just pray that you would speak to each person this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, that I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom of the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on the scroll the things that you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergam, Tyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and I turned and saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands were someone like a son of man. Once again, we have this description of of what John is presenting to us. This is John, you know, he said in verse 9, I, John. You know, prophets always have a special communication with God. And for some reason, all prophets like to yell. (laughs) You know, for some reason, you know, they just want to make sure you hear what they're saying. Thus saith the Lord. You know, and they just, they enjoy yelling. Um, But John says that I, John, and, and he is basically letting you know that this is coming from Jesus, but it's through John, and it's the message that has impacted him. No different than Isaiah. Isaiah 6.1, in the year of the Lord, or in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. No different with Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel. All of them reported things that they saw and heard. And John is no different. Even in verse 10, he says that I heard and I saw. I heard and I saw. John is letting us know that this is something that he has participated in. He is an eyewitness to what is happening here. And he says that your brother, he continues, says your brother, companion in the suffering in the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. John is speaking about his personal experience, his testimony, but also his pain and his suffering. This becomes an issue if your faith has no experience. Let me explain this. That when you have faith in God and you put yourself out there, you are going to receive persecution. When you stand out there and make a commitment to God, the devil isn't going to like it. You know, if you want the devil to leave you alone, don't be a believer in Jesus. Don't be someone who tells people about Jesus. Don't be someone who puts your faith out there because when you do, the devil is going to do everything he can to try to destroy your witness. But John, he's stuck on this island of Patmos. Why? Because he wanted to tell people about Jesus. John is in this fight too and he is suffering for Jesus. And he is a brother 
to a family that is also suffering for Jesus. And he was on the island of Patmos. This island was a very small rocky terrain about 10 miles long and 6 miles wide under the exile of Domitilian. He's stuck on this little island of Patmos. And he is commanded to give him, give this prophecy to the seven churches. This was his prison sentence. Church tradition has said that John was put on this island because the first assassination failed. They tried to boil him in oil and it did not kill him. And so they decided to send him to prison and they put him on this island. And think about this. For John, imagine this. You'd been, you, they tried to assassinate you. It didn't work. So they said, forget it. Let's just put you on this island and let's just leave you there until you die. I mean, what a bummer. You know, because here you want to be a martyr for Jesus. You want to be your witness and, and it failed. And so now you get stuck on this island. And imagine what's going through John's mind. Oh, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. Because you stay there. As long as the person who put you there is alive, you stay there. But Jesus had a different plan for John. Jesus had a different plan and the story wasn't over. I mean, just on a side note, how many times do we think the story is over? How many times do we think that God is done, that God is finished with what he has has given us, and all of a sudden he comes in and he changes the story, and you realize that it's just beginning. I love that when God steps in and and changes our perspective, and we realize that, that the story is not over. That is what John is going to experience here. So he is there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, and it is here And for this reason and this reason only, he is abandoned. But God is not done. And John continues in verse 10. He says, on the the Lord's day, the Lord's day, this was Sunday, on the first day of the week, like today. And the reason why the church chose Sunday in order to to worship together, in order to, to come together, was because it's the day that the Lord raised from the dead. Sunday is the day that we celebrate to honor Christ since this is the day that he rose from the dead. And John says, I was in spirit. Now this is where we begin to separate John from the rest of the prophets because in the Old Testament, the, the prophets would be under the Holy Spirit's direction, but John is filled with the Spirit. He is in the river that Jesus said was going to flow from him. See, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is, is the prophets would be under the influence, but now we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And sometimes we think that we are weak or that we are not like the great Christians of old or the great men and women of God of the Old Testament. But I want want to tell you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. You are, you have inside of you more power and more ability and more strength than you could ever dream of, but the devil is going to try to convince you that you don't. You may say, well, pastor, I'm not the most educated, or I don't have the, the, all the right words to say, and I, don't, I can't memorize things, and I don't. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and Jesus says that he will guide you into all truth. And John says that I was in the Spirit. Matthew 13, 17, Jesus said, For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus is saying this is a new day. This is a new day because the Holy Spirit will be with you and will live in you. And he heard behind me a voice like a trumpet which said, 
write the scroll and send it to these seven churches. These seven churches. Why seven churches? There were obviously more churches than just these sevens. There were more churches around the, the area except for these seven. But, but here's the thing is that these seven pretty much encompass all of the issues that the churches were facing. And so Jesus said, give it to them and let them know what I want to tell them. Seven is a number of completeness of whole. And the message was relevant to these churches because it encompassed what the church was going through. And I believe that it's still relevant for us today. In verse 12, it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I saw, I turned, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Later on in verse 20, you're going to realize that these seven lampstands represent the seven churches. They represent the seven churches. And, and it's still true for us today because what did Jesus say, Matthew 5? That you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give it light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see the good deeds and the glorify your Father in heaven. We still are the lamp. We still are the light to the world. And I believe this, that, that our nation, I believe that Jesus is coming soon. But I also believe that just before he comes, that our world is going to have one last great revival. I really do believe that because we know that Bible says that God wishes all people are saved. And he's going to give them one last chance. I believe this. And I believe that we still are the lampstands. So, so he, John turns around and he sees the seven golden lampstands and he sees the churches there. And verse 13 says, Among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And we talked about this last week. The Son of Man. The one who, or a couple weeks ago, the one who comes uh, from Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 says, In my vision at night I looked and there before me was the one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and was led into the presence and he was given authority glory and sovereign power and all the nations and people of every language worshiped him and the dominion is his an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is the one who will never be destroyed this is a great picture of jesus christ coming on the clouds before the father and the father anoints him and all the nations and people worship him and he has sovereign power and he is all authority and his kingdom will never end the son of man was riding on the clouds only god rides on the clouds job thirty-seven fifteen says do you know how god controls the clouds and he makes the lightning flash god is in control we may try to do everything we can you know over history certain cultures would try to make the rain happen by the dances and and people would pray for weather as farmers would pray for rain uh sick people will pray for snow i mean it's just there are just people who always pray 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 but when it comes down to it god controls the times and the seasons, and only God rides in the clouds of heaven. Isaiah 26, 13 says, O Lord our God, others have ruled us, but you alone are the one we worship. You are the lone, you alone are the one who rides on the clouds. And just like in Daniel, Jesus' kingdom will last forever and will not be destroyed. And John turns around and sees the Son of Man. He sees Jesus. Now what is this verse here have to do with us as a church today i believe this that in revelation the purpose of this 
book, the purpose of this prophecy was to let us know what will soon take place. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this scene. We see Jesus who loves us and forgives us and changes us from within. We see the, why people mourn because of hell and because of what is going to happen if you do not have your name written in the book of life. But what do we see here? What do we see in these verses? What we see is this, that John turns around and he hears this voice, and when he turned, he saw the churches, and among the churches, he saw Jesus. And I think this is a message that we kind of briefly read in Scripture. We read over these verses, but we don't really see how important and how impactful this verse is because John says he turns and he sees that in the middle of all these lampstands, in the middle of all these churches, is Jesus. Is Jesus. And we should never forget that in the midst of who we are as the body of Christ has been and has always will be Jesus Christ. He is here today with us. He is with us. Scripture tells us that God promises He would never leave us or forsake us. Leviticus 26 12, I walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. God says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Deuteronomy 31 tells us, Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For your God goes with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Your God goes with you. Your God goes with you. And Jesus himself said after he rose from the dead, Matthew 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Something that you must never forget that the one who rides on the clouds, the one who loves you, forgives you, and changes you, the one who says he is coming back for you, was never left you. He has always stood right there with you. Jesus is with us today. His kingdom will never be destroyed and it will never end. And Jesus is here today, never leaving you in your times of need and never forsaking you when you need him the most. He's never driving you away. You know, Jesus tells you, come to me, come to me. I will never drive you away. But Jesus, I'm not perfect. Come to me. But Jesus, I, I messed up. Come. Jesus, come. Because he'll never leave you. And this morning, I just, the simplicity of this message is simply this. Never forget that. No matter how dark the night seems, no matter how long you've been praying, no matter how many times things have failed over and over again, no matter how many times you've been discouraged and down and you tell yourself you never see it happening, never forget that the one who rides in the clouds the one who has authority over every king of this earth, the one who has the ability to change everything is with you. He is with you. Jesus is with you. I just pray that we would never forget that because what we are going to see as we continue on into the book of Revelation is that there is a lot of pain and suffering, but that's not for us. That's not for us. Jesus said that I've saved you. The Bible tells us that we have been saved from God's wrath. Why? Because Jesus is with those he loves and he has never abandoned us. So don't let a moment convince you that he's gone. 
Don't let a situation make you feel that Jesus is not with you. He's right there with you. I think about the story of Paul when he is telling in writing in Thessalonians or Timothy. He says, you know, I, I, everyone abandoned me. Everyone abandoned me. I went to trial and no one came to my side. But the Lord stood with me because Paul knew that no matter who stands with me, Jesus always stands with me. And today, I want you to know that Jesus stands with you. Let's have faith in God. Let's believe that He is still with us. And He's going to get you through every moment that you need Him to get you through. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. That's the message that I want to present this morning, that God really does love you, and He stands with you. You may not understand the path that you're on, and you may question why, 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 but you should never doubt and never think that your God has abandoned you, because if you listen closely and you turn around, you will see that Jesus is still there. Amen? Amen.